There is a new Ghostbusters movie, so Ghostbusters Afterlife. Let's begin by saying, um, do you remember back in 2016 when there was a new Ghostbusters movie out and the internet was ablaze? Oh yes, with uh, fans complaining about the fact that it, you know, that they. It was. I think that was kind of one of the earliest. Oh, they've woked it, and now I don't. There were so many bluehead feminists in that so film. So many. It was absolutely ruined so, it for me. So this is. I mean, I actually kind of like that 2016 version. I certainly thought it was. It was, it was nothing like um, the way it was described by its critics. I mean, it's probably not Paul Fig's finest work, but it actually was pretty solid. And weirdly enough. Not so long ago, I rewatched it because um, I was with the family. We said they hadn't seen it, so let's watch it. We watched it. Actually, I thought it was pretty funny. And then we watched Ghostbusters and went, that's nothing like as good as I remember it being. I mean, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters really hasn't aged as well. Anyway, so... I, I absolutely... It's one of those films that you look forward to watching with your teenage kids and go... I don't, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a bit yeah. icky. So now we have this, um, which is directed by Jason Reitman, whose father, Ivan, of course, directed the original. Uh, and... Jason Reitman says of it, well, two things. First, he said that it was a matter of giving the film back to the fans. Secondly, he said, Afterlife is, a, is kind of sneaky in that it is really one of my movies inside of a Ghostbusters film. It's a movie about a single mum and her two kids arriving at an old haunted house in the middle of the country and learning about their past and reconciling. And while it is a Ghostbusters movie through and through, it is also a movie about family. Oh, that has to learn to communicate, talk to each other and re-embrace each other, okay? So the story is after being evicted from their home, single mother, Callie, played by Carrie Coon, is very good, and the two children are forced to move to this decayed uh, farmhouse um, in Oklahoma, which has been left to them by the children's late grandfather. And then we have Paul Rudd, who is a seismologist, who is a teacher, who is fascinated by the fact that in this particular area there are loads and loads of earthquakes, despite the fact that there is no fault line that would explain these earthquakes. Uh, McKenna Grace and Finn Wolfhard are the kids to whom the mantle is sort of passed, not least by their discovery of some old ghost-busting equipment. Is a clip. Fire it up. I've always wanted to do this. should probably get out of here. You're an adult. Yeah. And liable. You know what this means, right? Your grandfather was a ghostbuster. Okay, so Okay. Okay. You so, learned a lot in that microsecond. We okay, learned a lot. So if this is a movie that hands, you know, hands it back to the fans, well then the fans kind of deserve it, frankly, considering the way they behaved the last time. And I know that's not all fans, I understand that, but there is a thin line between something which pays homage and something which is repoof. And th here's the problem with Ghostbusters Afterlife. 
Firstly, it feels like the longest footnote to a film I've ever sat through. It feels like the longest end credit sequence, and it has end credit sequences. It's just the first half of the movie, nothing happens. The second half of the movie, everything happens. And everything that happens is basically completely inconsequential because all it is is, you remember that bit from Ghostbusters that you liked? There you go. You remember that bit from Ghostbusters that you liked? There you go. You remember that bit from Ghostbusters that you liked? Yeah. You like Stranger Things? It's him from Stranger Things. It go, there we go. You remember the Spielbergian nostalgic light that we coated everything in in Stranger Things to make everybody feel nostalgic for the 70s? Here it is. Got a bit of that. And then there's another bit of that Ghostbusters thing that you like. So there is... Is the Stay Puffed mush, Marshmallow Man in there? Yes, in a... Different form. Oh, okay, very good. Yeah. Well, no, not very not good. Not very good. Not very I'm good. I'm very disappointed to hear that. Because if you, I'm sorry, but if you're going to do this, I would much rather have somebody completely, you know, turn the thing on its head as they did with the 2016 Ghostbusters, which I thought was fine. I mean, it's not not work of genius, but it's fine. And actually, as I said second time round, it was funnier than I remembered it being. At least that was trying to do something new. This feels so much like you know. As I said, it's just, you know, it's just, oh, yeah, we all love that. And then we all love this. We all don't we all love this. Don't we? Also, there's a weird thing. The plot makes no sense whatsoever, because when Ghostbusters happened, right, the Ghostbusters happened and everybody in the whole world saw the Ghostbusters happen because most of the city was on fire with ghostbustery stuff but now it's oh yeah, no, don't know about that. Don't mm, don't know anything about that. Not well. Where's all that come from? And then there's this really this really odd thing. There's a load of spectacularly ill-judged callbacks and cameos. And the, the screening that I saw had a little introduction by the director saying, look, you know, whatever you think, please don't spoil anything in the film. So I won't. I won't spoil anything. Is, is Piers Morgan in it again? No. <laughs> OK. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. Um, but there's... So I won't spoil anything in it at all, but... The, the echoes and the callbacks and the cameos are toe-curling. Like, one of them particularly uh, is very ill-judged. And it just felt like... What's the best way of describing this? It felt like... You remember when the Beach Boys were on tour, but it wasn't the Beach Boys, it was their kids, and they played the Beach Boys songs? I do, vaguely. It was like that, oh, right. but not as good. And also, it's you know, it's it's Ghostbusters. If somebody, if you've got a franchise which has got a built-in following, and is, you know, I just feel that you should actually do something adventurous rather than just go, all right, well, you like that bit, you like that bit, we should all like this bit. You should, there, there's that other thing that you like, and you like that monster, and that bit there, and then the thing, and then there, you like him, and you like that, and you like Stranger Things, and ooh, Spielberg in light, Spielberg in light, ooh, 1980s callback, ooh, it's going to be E.T. I mean, ooh, you know, and then, and here's the other funny thing, the score, people have talked about how the score quotes from the score of the original film, you know, nicely, blah, blah, blah. The most interesting thing about Rob Simonson's score, I was sitting there listening to it going, what does this remind me of? What does this remind me of? Do you know what the answer is? Ennio Morricone's score for Exorcist to the Heretic. That was what I was thinking of whilst I was watching Ghostbusters Afterlife and thinking, actually, I'd rather be watching The Heretic. 